That is the sound you never want to hear. It is the sound of the warning siren going off at a nuclear power plant. When you hear that sound, it means you are in the nuclear hot seat. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi, and I do this podcast because I was staying with friends one mile from the nuclear reactor at Three Mile Island when the accident happened there. I know firsthand that whether you can hear the sirens or not, potentially we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Today is Tuesday, December 20th, 2011, day 284 since the Fukushima tragedy began on March 11th, and here is the latest nuclear news. Operating on their frighteningly successful premise that if you say it enough times, people will believe you, officials in Japan announced that the Fukushima tragedy, the Fukushima disaster, has been over because is over because the nuclear reactors are in a state of cold shutdown or stable. This according to Prime Minister Yoshihiko Noda addressing a government nuclear emergency meeting. But serious doubts remain about Fukushima's status, as officials remain unable to confirm the status of the reactor's fuel, and an undercover report impugns the cleanup effort's efficacy. TAPCO has not been able to take direct measurements of the temperatures at the bottoms of the containment vessels, and the site is still too radioactive for the fuel rod status to be visually confirmed. If the melted fuel rods puncture their containment vessels, as is suspected, and if they fell to the bottoms of the outer containment tanks, what we are facing is not melt down, but melt through. Even if the reactor is under control, which it is not, the cleanup could still take 30 or more years, and the problems remain immense, according to the Wall Street Journal. So, in essence, the only thing in cold shutdown in Japan is the truth about Fukushima. At least 1 billion becquerels a day of radiation continue to leak from Japan's nuclear power plant disaster. Experts say that the total amount of radiation leaked will exceed amounts released from Chernobyl, making Fukushima the worst nuclear disaster in history. And, according to Dr. Helen Caldicott, the theory that is often put out by the Japanese government that radiation will stay in the zone of the accident is impossible. In fact, there has been evidence that the radiation reached Tokyo very soon after the incident and the exposure has continued, which is more information on why Tokyo is not safe. Furthermore, Tokyo and the rest of Japan will be even less safe if the government and TEPCO keep moving rubble contaminated with radiation around the country and burning it, as they are currently doing. In an interview on December 19th between Tom Hartman and Paul Gunter, who's the director of Beyond Nuclear's Reactor Oversight Project, they went over the latest regarding Fukushima. There are still, according to Paul Gunter, there are still experts who fear recriticality of the nuclear power plant. Unit 4, which is where the spent fuel rods were stored, Unit 4 is looking more and more like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The whole building is listing and is structurally unsound. The full core of the reactor was offloaded into the spent fuel pool during refueling, and that is the building that is now shifting. Some of the projections are that the core of the nuclear reactor has already gotten into the earth, and there's no direct information because all of this are conjectures based on computer projections trying to locate the positions of the core. So without any control over the reactor, without any knowledge of exactly where the radiation, uh, where the reactor fuel is, this is not the definition of a cold shutdown, no matter what the Japanese government is saying. 
Here in the U.S., a medical journal article was released that links 14,000 deaths here in the United States, States to radiation following Fukushima. The impact was seen as roughly comparable to radiation-related deaths after Chernobyl. Now, the number 14,000 was uh, listed in a major new article that was published in the December 2011 edition of the International Journal of Health Services. This is the first peer-reviewed study published in a medical journal documenting the health hazards of Fukushima. Authors epidemiologist Joseph Mangano and internist Dr. Jeanette Sherman note that their estimate of 14,000 excess U.S. deaths in the 14 weeks after the Fukushima meltdowns is comparable to the excess deaths of uh, 16,500 excess deaths in the 17 weeks after the Chernobyl meltdown in 86. The rise in reported deaths after Fukushima was largest among U.S. infants under the age of one. In 2010 to 2011, the increase for infant deaths in the spring was 1.8%, compared to a decrease of 8.37% in the preceding 14 weeks. So instead of it going down 8.37%, it raised 1.8%. That's a huge difference. Now, according to Joseph Magnano, this study of Fukushima health hazards is the first to be published in a scientific journal. It raises concerns and strongly suggests that health studies continue to understand the true impact of Fukushima in Japan and around the world. Findings are important to the current debate of whether to build new reactors and how long to keep aging ones in operation. Internist and toxicologist Dr. Jeanette Sherman said, based on our continuing research, the actual death count here in the United States may be as high as 18,000, with influenza and pneumonia counted, which were up fivefold in the period in question as a cause of death. And considering this would be March through July, it's not exactly hardcore flu season. More from Dr. Sherman. Deaths are seen across all ages, but we continue to find that infants are the hardest hit because their tissues are rapidly multiplying, they have undeveloped immune systems, and the doses of radioisotopes are proportionally greater than for adults. Dr. Sherman, we would note, is a contributing editor of Chernobyl, Consequences of the Catastrophe for People and the Environment. And she was previously interviewed on the November 8th uh, nuclear hot seat program, and we will be speaking with her again in early 2012. Our friends at NIRS, the Nuclear Information and Resource Service, have released a new briefing paper that links atomic radiation to being more harmful to women than to men. According to this paper, women as a group suffer significantly more from the impact of ionizing radiation than do men. Nuclear Information and Resource Service, NIRS, published a briefing paper that today, uh, this was back on uh, the 18th of October, but they're just publicizing it now, uh, published a, um, a briefing paper that focuses on a dramatic 50% greater increase of cancer and 50% greater rate of death from cancer among women compared to the same radiation dose level for men. To be clear, Men suffer from cancer and cancer deaths from exposure to ionizing radiation, but gender difference in the level of harm has been to date underreported. The data leading to this conclusion originally was reported in the National Academy of Sciences 2006 report BEIR7, 
which is Biological Effects of Ionizing Radiation, the seventh report in a series. NEARS is focusing new attention on this data because people living near nuclear facilities are subject to ongoing exposure to radioactivity that is routinely released to air, water, and soil, even in non-accident conditions. Um, this is from NEARS, and they cited their data. Uh, I neglected to uh, note in the article about um, the 14,000 additional deaths in the United States after Fukushima, that all of the statistics were drawn from statistics made available by the Center for Disease Control and the Environmental Protection Agency. So they were official U.S. Uh, documents, documentation that was used as a source for those numbers. Here's a little bit of good news for our side. Uh, EDF, the French state-controlled power behemoth Electricité de France SA, is considering dropping all plans for new nuclear capacities in Maryland following a proposed settlement between the Maryland government and EDF's U.S. partner, Constellation Energy. EDF has struggled with its nuclear efforts in Maryland despite earlier support from many Maryland officials. Now, in order to accomplish this, EDF bought half of Constellation's nuclear power business in 2008 for about $4.5 billion dollars. In October of 2010, EDF and Constellation ended a separate joint venture called Unistar to develop new U.S. nuclear power plants after Constellation dropped out of an application for a federal loan guarantee for Calvert Cliffs III, the partnership's first project. EDF has retained the right to build that project and two additional U.S. projects, but has not announced a new partner for the venture, which raises serious doubts about its prospects. And this was an article that appeared in uh, the Dow Jones Newswires, which concentrates on uh, not the ethical or the health aspects of nuclear energy, but simply the financial ones. Now, from our friend Mokuzuchi, who, is, who was on the ground in Japan and left and is now uh, in exile in China, he is still keeping up with his Fukushima diary, which is one of the most important blogs on the ground coming out of Japan. And uh, three different items from Fukushima diary this week. The first is that in Japan, most of the hospitals, some of the hospitals, this is various wording that's there, but the hospitals refuse to see patients who are sick from radiation. Because the connection between the symptom and the radiation is not clear, according to Mokuzuchi, it will never be clear ever because they're not making that connection. Uh, there's a picture on the page of his blog that is a notice in front of an academic medical center in Tokyo. It says, quote, we do not serve any tests for radiation exposure or treatment for irradiation, end quote. There's a second picture shown that is a, of a document distributed from a Japan Radiological Society to an academic medical center in western Japan. It says, quote, currently radiation level is too low to affect your health condition. Even in the 20 to 30 kilometer area, meaning the area around Fukushima, if you are in a building, it cannot be harmful. This is a flat out lie. So according to Mokuzuchi, uh, the officials in Japan are pressing people to protect themselves or evacuating by the logics uh, like below, uh, the logic being, and put that logic in quotes, stress of mothers is much worse than radiation for children. In other words, if mothers are worried about radiation, it's worse than the actual radiation. And also, this level of radiation cannot be harmful for your health. They only want to make money by scaring people by telling lies. No, they only want to make money by scaring people, by reassuring people, by telling lies so they can resume the nuclear power plants. Uh, he, say, he concludes, it is becoming harder and harder to find proper medical institute to provide right treatments. 
A second item uh, on his blog, Fukushima Diary, is showing pictures of mutated vegetables that have been harvested in the fall. There are twisted carrots that are enormous. Um, there is a daikon that is looks like the size of two human heads, but is also similarly mutated. There were a few other pictures as well. Um, which is frightening because uh, people are harvesting them and noting that they're unusual, but at the same instance, some of them are still using them and cooking with them. So it looks like there are the first signs of uh, radiation coming into the food chain in Japan. And uh, this third run from uh, uh, Fukushima Diary is record-setting Japanese mountain climber has had his thyroid tested after endless fatigue and choking. Now, uh, this individual, Alpinist Noguchi Ken, visited the 20-kilometer area around Fukushima and took pictures of cows, photographs of cows that were abandoned in the area. Uh, and he has begun tweeting people to tell that he is suffering from constant fatigue and a sense of choking. He tweets, what happened to my body? Endless fatigue, choking, dizziness, and breath shortage. Had my thyroid tested because of the shortage of neutral fat from the blood test. However, the reason is not clear yet. I'm going to have to have the re-retest. I'm ready to know the possible severe result because this fatigue is really bad. I just want to figure out what causes it. Because I'm an alpinist, top-level mountain climber, because I'm an alpinist, I quickly prepare myself for possible hard situations. But it's really irritating not being able to know what is causing this. I feel dizzy even when I'm giving a lecture, and it's becoming worse and worse. If you have a similar symptom and know something, please let me know. Please. Switching over to some better news coming out of Germany, there is now a village that makes 321% more energy than it needs. Uh, the village, which is Wildpoldesried, uh, had its first green initiative in 1997 when the village council decided that it should build new industries, keep initiatives local, bring in new revenue, and create no debt. What an enlightened way to lead a, a, a government. Over the past 14 years, the community has equipped nine new community buildings with solar panels, built four biogas digesters with a fifth in construction now, and installed seven windmills with two more on the way. In the village itself, 190, that's 190, private households have solar panels, while the district also benefits from three small hydropower plants, ecological flood control, and a natu natural wastewater system. All these green systems mean that despite only having a population of 2,600, Wild produces 321% more energy than it needs. And that means it generates the equivalent of $5.7 million a year in annual revenue by selling it back to the national grid. It is no surprise to learn that small businesses have developed in the village specifically to provide services to the renewable energy installations. Over the years, the energies, the green goals of the village have been so successful that they have crafted a mission statement. In the city, the village council hopes that it will inspire citizens to do their part for the environment and create green jobs and businesses for the local areas. Now, for the health tip, holistic healing tip for the day, so we can all keep ourselves healthy and um, 
protected as best we can from the effects of radiation, which is in our environment and just growing greater all the time. Uh, one of the best foods that we can use, and it's a wonderful spice as well, is cilantro leaf, uh, otherwise known as coriander. Uh, it is good to use as a supplement or especially in cooking because it is a natural heavy metal detox. Both cesium-137 and plutonium are heavy metals. So coriander is a food that can help trigger out and transfer out heavy metals from the body if they are accessible from the digestive tract. Not a bad idea to use. I have a wonderful recipe for uh, a cilantro pesto that I use that is specifically for heavy metal. There are other ingredients in it as well. And it's delicious, and uh, I make vast quantities and use it all the time. So I strongly suggest that uh, you check that recipe out. I'll post it to Nuclear Hot Seat and uh, enjoy it. Now, uh, we had uh, some technical difficulties today, which uh, made it not possible for the interview to take place with Mary Olson of NIRS, um, which is unfortunate. We will catch up with her as soon as we can in 2012. Uh, but for now, we're just going to switch to a little bit more activist news. Um, first of all, really important, the California initiative to shut down the nuclear power plants in California, San Onofre, and Diablo Canyon. The petition is available online. We need to connect, collect signatures from valid California voters. People who are registered to vote in California need to sign this. And anybody within the sound of my voice who is in California can help with this collection process. And we need everyone's help. You can download copies of the petition, which need to be printed out from your printer, uh, they can be downloaded directly from sanonofresafety.org. That's san, S-A-N, Onofre, O-N-O, F like Frank, R-E, safety.org. And once you get to that site, click on the California Initiative button, and it will bring you all the support materials, uh, plus where you can get copies of um, this petition. We need to collect... 5,760 5, valid signatures by April 16th. And this is going to have to be done in analog version. You cannot sign online. You must sign a hard copy and then mail it into the address at um, the bottom of the um, of the petition. Uh, share it around. Share it with your friends. Do what you can because um, if we get enough signatures on it or when we get enough signatures on it, let's be positive about it, uh, we will then be on the ballot in the fall of 2012 in the presidential election. So that's the California Initiative. We'll be talking about that every week. And for something good that you can do to explain radiation and uh, nuclear energy to not only children, but to adults who perhaps don't have even a child's understanding of uh, what radiation is all about, there is a wonderful new book called The Power Story. It is for children and adult children. It's about nuclear energy, and it was told with clarity and a good heart by Hanamaro Fuji. Uh, now, Hanamaro has never before written a children's book, let alone an illustrated children's book, but this came out in one flow of inspiration. Sometimes it just happens like that. There is a link to this book on the Nuclear Hot Seat Facebook page, or you can find it by going to nuclearfreeplanet.com. 
org. Right now, it is available as a free PDF download, and there are attempts being made to get this published as uh, a regular book, so it can be out in the world in that form as well. Um, so again, you can get it from nuclearfreeplanet.org or from the Nuclear Hot Seat page on Facebook. So this has been Nuclear Hot Seat for December 20th, 2011. Doing the nuclear math, this is day 284 for each of the three melted-down nuclear reactors in Japan, meaning multiply the 284 by 3, and you have 852 days of nuclear radiational leakage since Fukushima began. Well over two years of radiation going into our air, the water, on the earth, Plus, it's being spread further by Japan burning the radioactive waste and re-releasing it into the air. So, I would like to propose, yet again, that we stop asking whether this is as bad as Chernobyl. I believe that we passed Chernobyl a long time ago. This is not over. It can get much worse before it improves. So, this has been Nuclear Hot Seat. You can find this and links to previous programs by going to the Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat group page. I promise you that in the new year, NuclearHotSeat.com will be back in operation with blog posts and also long-term posts of interest. And we are up on iTunes. You can subscribe for free so you never need miss a single podcast. And if you have a lead to a story or information to share, join with our growing army of on-the-ground reporters around the world, literally. Send me a message on Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat, and I will get back to you. This is Libby Halevi of Heart History Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call. Now, do not go back to sleep. Be safe, be well. I'll speak with you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>